So, John, what do these four professions have in common? Advertising practitioners, members of Congress, car salespeople, and lobbyists. They're all the professions of lead characters in a Aaron Sorkin movie. <laughs> That's a good guess. <laughs> I don't think he's touched advertising yet. Has Aaron? I don't think Aaron Sorkin's touched advertising. Steve Jobs. That's pretty close to advertising. Pretty close, but still wrong. Okay. These positions are the fourth lowest on the rating of honesty and ethics in professions. So these people are rated the lowest of the low. So advertising professionals, which yep. me and you have probably would categorize ourselves as, yep. is is rated right with those three, I assume, are below it, rated below it, members of Congress, hopefully. Me- yep, members of Congress, car okay. salespeople, and lobbyists fall directly below. Okay, what are the three above? Uh, we've got lawyers. Lawyers? Lawyers, business executives, and state office holders. Even auto mechanics rank much higher above on that list. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Lawyers. Yeah. I've got some opinions there. So people rate advertising practitioners as having well 12 percent are rated as having high honesty and ethical standards while 34 percent are rated extremely low hmm. so people don't necessarily trust us so that that makes for a really easy segue into starting a podcast episode hosted by two marketers and advertising professionals right thanks yep yep absolutely <laughs> okay So I'm Nicole. I'm John. And this is Shape the Conversation. And we work here in Bend, Oregon with a great team at shape.io. And we know a lot about advertising agencies. We've worked in them and we spend a lot of our days selling our product to advertising agencies. And when we talked about Facebook, we brought up some of these things and kind of touched on them. The general stigma in advertising today, I feel like if you go up to somebody and mention you're in advertising and talk to advertising you see where the the stats on this poll come from you know they're like immediately their mind goes to like the worst commercial they've seen recently or the pop-up ad that hits them <laughs> the pop-up ad thing is like if you're a digital marketer you've heard somebody you know blame you for all the ads or whatever oh yeah all the time i think it's happened pretty much every month of my entire ppc career yeah, when you were a digital marketer, okay, somebody, uh, if somebody came up to me at a cocktail party, they say, what do you do? i like, you know when you Google something, all those ads that pop up everywhere, when you're on Facebook, those ads, that's what I did right there. They're like, oh, thanks, so you're the one we have to thank for all that. It's like, oh, yeah, you're the first guy to make that joke, thanks. Well, now and it's really fun because you get to you'd be like, you know those ads? I build software for those people who run those ads. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm not out of it yet, and actually – Part of that is I do probably my wife rolls her eyes sometimes when I get, but if somebody does get into it, I start to talk about what I see the difference between like I think people have a, a negative reaction to bad advertising or mm-hmm. advertising done poorly. People where where advertising is done well or marketing is done well, it, it is truly enriching to somebody's life and it, it truly improves somebody's life. But unfortunately you just everybody's lumped into the same, like there are great lawyers out there. I mean, it's easy to make a lawyer joke too. And I'm sure lawyers have heard all those jokes, but I met some great lawyers, you know, I've grown up with guys that are now lawyers. They're trustworthy guys, you know, as, as much as anybody else trying to do the right thing and, and help businesses. But advertising is something that everybody's exposed to all the time. And so everybody's got an opinion about it. 
Absolutely. And we'll, we're constantly finding ways to find or new ways, new areas, new places to put ads. So my kind of number one stigma is that, as you mentioned, people think ads are obnoxious. They think they're intrusive. They think they're way too many. And so you tend to think of that about the practitioners who build them. Yeah. And I think that's a little bit what this episode is really about. A little bit of a counseling session. Nicole and I and the other marketers are maybe listening to this or people, you know, thinking about how to market their company and how to do marketing well or in a way that builds your brand, not detracts from your brand. That's a big thing to consider with marketing. But how we also reconcile within ourselves and what drew us to advertising and marketing and genuinely what we love about it, not just, you know, it being putting up something on a billboard or, or, and really what shaped us into the the digital realm, at least. Mm -hmm. Do you remember an aha moment? I know you went to journalism school. If you want a little context background, there's a lot of copywriting there that you do. Mm -hmm. What was your initial spark or what, what got you into advertising? So, I mean, it's kind of partially just graduating in the worst economy ever. I know that's uh, a very candid thing to say, but I graduated in 2008 from college with a journalism degree, which is exactly when the recession hit. All of the magazines and newspapers and, you know, online properties that I could have written for were either going out of business or had already gone out of business. So, you know, in college, I'd done a couple internships. I came at a magazine here in Bend. I'd done some writing, I'd done some stuff like that, but really in my business marketing classes in journalism, what I was more attracted to was the marketing copyright. I had more fun doing that and applied to, God, 200, 300 jobs across the spectrum in publishing and and all sorts of things and happened upon a job in Bend. And this is a funny story that I will tell everyone <laughs> as I am both ashamed and very lucky. But I applied for what I thought was an SEO job, so search engine optimization. And given my writing background, I was like, I got this. I can totally, I can write content. I can learn the technical background of it, et cetera, et cetera. So I go into this job interview. And one of the guys sitting across from me is actually sitting across from me again right now. <laughs> and they start interviewing me. And I'm talking, and it's it seems very analytics-oriented, very numbers-oriented. And I'm, I'm getting a little confused. And eventually who the man who became my boss at the time comes in. He's like, uh, it sounds like you're applying for an SEO job. We filled that two weeks ago. You know, this is an SEM job, right? This is paperwork marketing. And so I wowed enough, despite not actually knowing the position I was going in for in this interview, because back then everything was the ubiquitous, like SEM or the, the not a yeah. ubiquitous, but the, what do you, the, you know, kind of, it was obfuscated yeah. under SEM, and so I just kind of assumed. Anyways, got the job and really fell in love with the the aspect of writing two to three lines of really hard copy. I mean, like, it's it's hard to distill a ton, and I still have a problem writing way too much, but distilling it into just a few lines was really fun and, and getting the immediate feedback of, of numbers. So that's a really long way of saying I liked writing, I liked marketing, and I finagled my way into a marketing yeah. job, online marketing job. Yeah. As, as the one of the ones doing the interviewing in that case way back, that's when Nicole and I first met in that stage. I can say that Nicole did wow in the interview. But I think that what we were looking for was like people to learn really fast mm -hmm. because things were changing so fast. At that time, I had had a year or two in the field already, and I knew like 
one, nobody was going to have any experience yet. You know, really, it, you just didn't find people in digital marketing. And that we knew writing was going to be a big part of that, writing the ads, um, telling the story of the ads. And for me, I was pretty much a failed sales guy that fell into marketing because I, I graduated 2006. Again, horrific economy, not a lot of jobs, do whatever you got to do. was in sales and I just was making cold calls every day, sending, you know, cold letters at that point. I remember being in my, in the office, like having hundreds of letters laid out, these little packets that I put together and sent out to prospects telling, okay, at 1030 on Monday at 1130, I'm going to call you, you know, hoping they put it on their calendar. No digital comfort. I mean, before email marketing was really like mainstream. And I just remember thinking, man, it'd be so much easier if people just called me. What would I have to do here? And to me, that that was marketing. You know, I went through business school. We always talked about marketing, but it was really one plus one equals two type stuff. You know, oh, you need a logo. You need these types of things. But digital marketing felt like to me when I started researching, how can I get these people to call me? I started thinking, well, we were trying to sell the IT people at this point. These IT people are Googling stuff, you know, and if they Google stuff and we provide them the answer, you know, it sounds crazy now to have that aha moment. But for me, that was really a life-changing moment back during 2007, eight. And I started optimizing our website and we started getting some calls and I started falling in love with that part of it more than the sales or at that time business building or anything like that. And when I think about myself working in advertising and like thinking deep down in my core, you know, is this an evil thing or not? I truly believe that advertising is something that enriches people's lives, primarily like search advertising and Google is one of those things that even was that aha moment for me. Here you've got people searching for answers, businesses giving answers, and a great company behind it like building magical tech to connect those two parties. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head there. I, I think it has to be – advertising works, and it can be a beautiful thing, and you see these incredible ads that stick with you your entire life. I mean, I was reading a story today about this woman who was like, advertising doesn't work on me, and then she was reciting these taglines from the 50s or you know these these products that were advertised on like sitcoms. I mean, so people think that it doesn't work, but really great advertising will work as long as you have really good advertising practitioners creating those ads, really great messages, and really great platforms to deliver those messages. Because we what defines great advertising to you? We we're throwing it around. We're saying good advertising versus bad advertising. But what are some of those things? So, I mean, I will say this. You you kind of have to differentiate it between digital and offline. Really? For do you me. think you do? In some ways, yes. I think some of the more visual, the mediums like TV, even, I hate to say this, but billboards, they can have a really amazing impact with just a few simple concepts, words, whatever, music. I mean, I... It, and that's really hard to get across. I think we've we've tried to crack that in digital in many ways. I mean, you look at these like video ads and and maybe so that maybe that's the transformation, right? And maybe that's where I'm, I'm there's a disconnect, but I actually it is there where we're starting to get there. But like image ads, Google and Bing, I believe, have tried to like add little these little image ads on top of a search ad, and it never really stuck. So they're just to me, there's 
I think with a lot of product listing, those you, stuff you see images. That's and, fair. And my experience is mostly lead gen, so I tend to not think about yeah. shopping ads, which is, again, it's a disconnect. Yeah. So maybe maybe you don't have to separate them. Maybe I'm just kind of, yeah. I'm, you, I'm siloed in my own little world. Can you distill, though, like, to me, bad advertising is, like, you put it in front of the wrong person or maybe the wrong time. Wrong person, wrong time, wrong message. And it's just awful. I mean, for... <laughs> <laughs> Any horrible advertising you've seen lately? I can't think of any off the top of my head, but what about you? Um, I can't. Okay, I do have one. All right, so Domino's commercial. They've got some new promotion going where it's like fill out a form on the website and submit your street to get a pothole fixed so when you're driving your pizza back from the Domino's store, it doesn't rattle around and the toppings go all over the place or whatever. And so why is that bad advertising to you? Well, I'd say for me, probably I was the wrong person to get the ad because I'm in advertising. So I started like breaking down everything about the ad that I'm sure that uh, uh, most of people watching are like, oh, that's a cool idea. That's original, whatever. Like we get pizza or whatever. But then I start breaking down advertising. I'm like, am I really going to do that? Like, am I going to fill out a form? Like, does that make me want a pizza anymore? Like, is there some better way they could have used those advertising dollars to like talk about their ingredients or talk about the product or talk or not this abstract problem that maybe only some people have. What if I live two doors down from a Domino's and I don't have to drive there to, to get there. I just have to walk. Like the ad is now deemed irrelevant for me. I think a lot of bad advertising falls a little bit too much in the just like, let's just try to, everybody's so busy. Everybody's attention's getting hammered. Let's just like try to get them to stop and just say, oh, cool. Or, oh, different. Like, just let's just throw something crazy across the bow that, like, maybe sticks in their mind. But, like, is that feeding the bigger mission? Like, is there something more there? I don't know. And how, how you measure a huge TV campaign push like that, I don't know, like, number of streets submitted to their app to get fixed or number of potholes fixed? Like, what is the marketing team now working to optimize for? It's crazy to me. But I think... To me, that's what bad advertising comes down to. It's like wrong person, wrong time, wrong message. You said it perfectly. Like one of those three buckets is off. The hard part is too is is you can have some of the the positive buckets. Like to me, again, I mean, kind of the, the flip to that is it's memorable. It gets the product across in a way that's it gets it across quickly, and it gets also it's also memorable. And then it is to the right group. Again, that audience, that fit. And it's funny because you'll see these ads where they're fantastic ads. There was one recently, and I just became a mom about 10 months ago, where all these different groups of parents are in the park and they are fighting because one group believes their situation is better than the other. And I mean, as a new mom or a new dad, you can imagine there's, you know, diapers versus or you know, disposable versus cloth diapers. There's the stay-at-home dads versus the stay-at-home moms versus the business. I mean, there's all these groups and you see them and they start to get into a fight and one of the moms accidentally reduced, or releases her stroller. And in that moment, you see all of these parents, there's like 50 parents running after the stroller and they catch the stroller and it's this big joyous moment. And everyone's like together in it. And I, I'll tell you, it's very memorable. I tell people about this. Mm-hmm. I cannot remember the product. <laughs> I absolutely cannot remember the product. I think it was diapers, but I'm not yeah. sure. Or maybe it was a support group like and that's i mean i have i am the target audience they they hit right. it on the head perfectly and it was very memorable but it didn't get the product across well enough and so, to me that's why digital marketing has taken off so much that's why you see it eating into print dollars and a lot of these other words because of the trackability 
I think being able to see a click through to purchase takes away a lot of those big challenges that marketing has had in the past and that major advertisers had when they have when they're doing a TV spot. That's another thing that drew me to it. So when people are bashing advertising or they're railing me about advertising, I have the confidence of now like 10, 11 years of working in digital marketing, knowing that the reason I see more and more spend going in these sources because it's trackable, provable results. And to me, digital marketing eliminates a lot of that like wrong person, wrong time. If you're delivering a digital ad to somebody that just searched on Google for what they want and you can help be the answer to that question, that's the right person, you know? And your message probably, you you know way more what that message could be based on that search. And it's the right time inherently because they just made the search. You know, they either they're in research mode or something like all these unknowns that create bad advertising, they're mitigated in a search environment. And that was what I, when I think about advertising, when I try to talk to other people about advertising, when I talk to young, super young people, we have people in their early 20s here, Max producer right here, when talk to people their age about advertising it is a negative mindset you know they think you know we're the the evil overlords or we're like you know the dark side you know not the bright side but i've always thought about facilitating especially search in these digital environments is that they they actually create good advertising and there's been a lot of missteps especially on the display end but when it comes to search i've always felt really good about defending its existence and, and grouping it in advertising. I would wholeheartedly agree with that. I think there's a there's a massive trust issue, and like you said, and in some cases there's a massive trust cu- coupled with a volume issue, and, and then that's why you get this general hatred of advertising, and I think you're absolutely right. I think search, not to say, well, we're different, but search does sit in, a, in kind of like the perfect little center of the Venn diagram because – I will guarantee you this if I wasn't if I was trying to be in any other aspect of advertising like I think I think TV and radio can be done really well but I'm pretty sure that I would be creating those local commercials that everyone's like <laughs> you know I mean it's it's the equivalent of a wacky weightable inflatable arm man yeah. Like I would be making those online commercials and it would be uh, would you really set up your uh, a wacky inflatable arm guy let's, out front of your establishment Let's just be glad I'm I'm not in that side of advertising I'm I'm over here Let's talk for a quick second about the crazy waving arm guy real fast and his inclusion here in this conversation about advertising do they work on you inflatable arm guys do they grab your attention have you ever driven by somewhere and been like oh man wacky inflatable arm guy oh man i needed to buy a used honda for four grand today like has it ever moved the needle it doesn't and you know what's also funny is we were driving past a part of bend this weekend and there was a spotlight spotlight also like i like <laughs> when do you ever chase a spotlight no you go huh i wonder where that is is that like the football game no it was ben brewfest we figured out what it was <laughs> but it took us like 30 minutes of not 30 minutes 30 seconds of just guessing yeah i'm thinking like the, the lead there, gen form on the website it's like a drop down of oh how'd you hear about us a referral from a friend saw an ad on tv noticed the wacky inflatable arm guy as i was driving by and decided to pull in you know, what What are the lobbyists for the wacky inflatable arm guys? Beyond car dealerships, who's buying these things? 
I love that attribution model. Like, if you think about it, like, wait, <laughs> wacky, waveable, inflatable arm man. You try saying that five times. And, and now I, I can I can picture myself, you know, as the marketer for the wacky inflatable arm guy company, being like, well, you know, business owner, this our wacky inflatable arm guy only costs a rental of fifty dollars a day plus air, the electricity to push the air through it. If you get only one used Honda sold every day, you could pay for your ten years of wacky inflatable arm guy. I don't know. Think about that sales guy coming in, though, trying to sell him the giant gorilla or something. Like, you know, the bigger, better, non-wacky, waveable, inflatable arm man. the wars. There's probably a movie in there, too. Think about those marketing efforts. <laughs> uh, but I think that is what I spent a lot of time driving the highways in Atlanta when I lived there, looking up at billboards. I was driving to my digital marketing job, going by billboards, thinking, how many clicks could I get that company for that billboard? Like, the amount of money they're putting into that and really don't aren't able to track it down to the penny. How much could I do with that click? I think about that with Super Bowl ads too. Like, oh man, those Super Bowl ads, like how are you getting with clicks? And I think I believe a lot less than most digital marketers that TV's dying or TV advertising is dying. I think it's still a massive component of the advertising landscape. But imagine how many clicks you get with three, four, five billion dollars of a Super Bowl spot. It's crazy. And imagine how you could repeat that too and what you could learn from that. And that is what has drawn me to digital advertising. I think there's a lot of writing going around right now about B2B versus B2C and different tactics. And is it really a bifurcated world? And are there more? But for me, advertising is the similar no matter what type of company you are. You know, maybe that waving hand guy is hitting the right person at the right time. You know, if 5,000 people drive by the waving arm guy, yeah, maybe five of them do need a new car and it had and and it does work. And that's the same as thinking about in terms of digital advertising is just way more trackable. You know, it's way more repeatable in in a lot of senses from what I've seen personally. And that's why when I you know, try to when I go to sleep at night and I think about working advertising in this world, I see the companies on our platform and the types of ads that are writing the results. I promise you, more money wouldn't be flowing into these digital channels if they didn't work. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, and suppose, like including what you just said about the the inflatable arm guys as well. Is one of the stigmas that I hear or I I get a lot of is. Advertising doesn't work on me, right? But as you mentioned, if if five people are like their eye catches one arm of the dancing guy and they two days later go into go car shopping, that advertising has worked. It's very subtle in yeah. a non-subtle way. And I mean, I you know, yeah. like it's the least subtle, subtle advertising. So there's this interesting statistic and it's specifically speaking to search ads. So people tend to say, oh, you know, search ads don't work on me. I never click on those ads. But there's a statistic quoted by WordStream and I don't know if they did the study or if they just quoted it, but 45.5% of people couldn't actually identify paid ads on the search without that right-hand column. And it's really interesting because you saw in 2016, Google took away their right-hand ads and then being followed up just in March of this year. And so it's a really, really kind of interesting thinking about that. So people don't think they're working, but they can't even they can't even find them on the page. And people are actually more likely by a two to one ratio to click on a paid ad over an organic listing on those keywords with high commercial intent. So, you know, showing a, a high likelihood to purchase an item. 
And so it's really interesting to think about where else that applies, where people are being advertised to constantly. I mean, I don't know what the statistic is anymore, but how many Im- like ad images or ad we yeah. see per day. Yeah. I think that's an interesting thing to even dig into, like being above advertising. That idea, I think, is is one people don't want to feel manipulated. They 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 see the way that bad advertising makes them feel, and that is why they're they're predisposed to have this wall up against advertising because they feel like, oh, if I see some ad or if the wavy arm guy does bring me in, I'm I'm some lesser version of this person, or there's somebody manipulating me. And that is one of the things I have struggled with in marketing is that line between what is, it's kind of, it is manipulation for good. I don't know, you know, it's manipulation in a way that does benefit you. You know, I've never run an ad that hasn't benefited what I was trying to do in some way, whether it's for a client or for my own company. So there is, that to me is the important part, like, Yes, you are manipulating somebody. You're changing their course of action. You're they're changing your day. That is what advertising is is trying to do. It's trying to influence decisions in a, you know, altruistic ways in a lot of cases, but people are going to have that wall up. They're going to be predisposed to, you know, have a negative effect on advertising because it does, you know, for some people even within me it does signify like, oh, I don't want to be manipulated. Well, and there's absolutely really horrible experiences in advertising where you get advertised. I mean, the best example I can think of is sponsored posts from all those clickbait places where you click on it thinking, yeah. well, first you click on an ad where you're like, I know I shouldn't do this because it's clickbait, but I'm going to click on it anyways because I'm interested. And then they send you to a completely unrelated thing, right? Like that is hands down, it's bait and switch. And and that happens, you know, in a, in a lot of places. And you have that one that is like for every one really bad advertiser, really bad actor who's just trying to be completely untruthful and just get you to, you know, using whatever hacker or bad tactic to wherever they need to get you. Mm-hmm. So for every one bad experience, you can have nine that are great where you either search for something or you see something on a TV commercial and you go to their website and you have a great experience and you find your product and actually you find additional products that go with it perfectly and it's all on sale and you get a coupon and blah, 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 blah. But you're going to remember that one bad experience and then you're going to be like, all advertising sucks. When you're working in advertising or, or reconciling it, that the, I try to focus on that empathetic view of people's lives. You know, not manipulating somebody. It's showing somebody a different way to do something or a new way to do something. I think I'd be curious to get your thoughts. What do you think? Like when we got first into it in 2007, 8, I don't think there was that same stigma around digital advertising. There was something there. There's definitely pop-ups were a lot more part of people's lives. But I think the reputation, I bet you if you did the poll of that list for advertisers, they probably would have been a couple ticks higher 10 years ago. Maybe. I think it was, as you mentioned, I mean, it was much less well-known. I mean, I told my parents what I was doing and they're like, wait, what? Like they, they still can't explain. I've left that job two years ago after eight years and they still can't explain to people what I did. And then we got number of times actually at our, our former agency. Wait, you guys are trying to sell me paperclip marketing? Paper clips, like oh no, no, no. So there was a there was a lack of understanding of what it was, 
and the difference, like you said, between display. I mean, because display has been around for a long time, and everyone sees pop-up ads and it's or, or sidebar ads, and it takes over. You know, you're trying to read an article, it takes over, and people immediately just shut down. Yeah, I think crazily for me, like, the elimination of a lot of pop-up ads has been one of the best things to happen to digital marketers. Now there's new scandals, new things to think about. You know, Facebook, Cambridge Analytica. Be the perception that now digital marketers are just data heads. You know, that's one thing I think if you're a digital marketer listening to this, there is some value and some magic in being an Excel wizard and knowing the data in ins and outs. But there is more to marketing than just the data and and that part of it. And making sure you're thinking about the messaging and and the person, always remembering the person on the other side that's making that search. When I was doing a lot of consulting, the way I'd start with a a new customer, I'd first ask them, okay, go off and think about this search bar in Google. Think about somebody is at their house or at their job. Describe to me the situation they're in. Who is that? Okay, now describe to me 10 different phrases they could type into that search bar that instead of them hitting enter and getting the, the search result that Google's about to show them, you're able, you could just spin their chair around and talk to them immediately. Like, and that to me, remembering that and thinking about there's people on both sides of that marketing equation, ad fraud, why it's such a big topic right now. And there's a lot of great writing about it. It's because it creates a situation where there's not two humans on both sides of that equation. It makes a bot, you know, with some simulated traffic on one side. And that is what marketing is really about. It's having a person on the search side making the search or looking for something or out in their day. And there's that business or something on the other side that's looking to connect or answer that question for them. And there's people on both sides of that. And that's where I think going into advertising and people thinking about remembering that there's people on both sides of that, there's going to be better decisions around product. I think more empathetic. We're seeing now what constant bombardment of advertising does to humans' brains, you know? And I think we're going to have to make some adjustments. Digital is in a good place to enable a lot of those because it it holds so much of the day-to-day attention of society today. And for me, I'd rather be like in there helping solve it and facilitate those problems than on the outside because I, I truly believe that digital is one of the best places that you know a business can put their ad dollars. I like that. I think it's a that's a pretty good place to end. You're a digital crusader trying to <laughs> improve the ad experience online. It is for- true though. Like I I I've seen it. You know, we saw back in those days when we were trying to literally get people to stop paying so much for the big ad in the yellow pages and put the money into digital advertising. It's just new challenges. People understand now it's a better place to to put your dollars, but now there's new challenges to figuring out how to make those dollars perform for businesses so that there's long term. You know, we're not swindling anybody and you're trying to remember there is humans on every side of this and when you forget about that, I think that's when you see a lot of the bad advertising that gets out there today. Absolutely. Like the Domino's ad. They didn't think about what if you don't have to drive? You got to walk. Something that simple. All right. So as always, remember to rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast. 
check out all show notes. What's our URL here? Blog.shape.io slash podcast for all the show notes. We'll make sure we put links to all the studies to your research and analysis there, Nicole. All the data. We'll make sure we get all the links in there. I always, I always added a couple extra minutes to uh, everyone's workload on that. Let <laughs> me quote all my quotes. No problem. Statistics. People love the links. People love to check it out for themselves. So until next time, from beautiful Bend, Oregon, and Shape.io headquarters. Over and out. Mm-hmm.